Welcome to The Cruise Biz, a series of exclusive podcasts brought to you by Stuart Pearl and Philip Ordiva of The Cruise Strategy Company, dedicated to supporting UK travel agents sell more cruise. Today we're listening to the next in our series of In Conversation With podcasts, when our three renowned and award-winning travel writers help us understand more about cruise. Jane Archer, who writes for a number of national newspapers, including the Daily Telegraph and various national magazines and trade titles. Sarah Macefield writes for the Daily Mail and Mail on Sunday, the Daily Telegraph and the Times, plus various travel trade publications. And Janine Williamson, a.k.a. the River Cruise Queen, writes for a number of titles, including the Daily Telegraph, Cruise Critic and World of Cruising. Expedition cruising is so different. There are loads of fabulous new ships coming into this arena, but it's really all about getting under the skin of the destination. Adventure with a lowercase a. Perfect for cruise lovers looking for something new, but equally enticing for land lovers who want to explore off the beaten track. Does this appeal to you, Janine? Absolutely, Jane. I mean, I'm quite an outdoor person anyway, and one of my first cruises this year was an absolutely fabulous cruise um, to Patagonia. Um, around the legendary Cape Horn and a very smooth passage it turned out to be. Um, But again, I think what we need to emphasise here that expedition cruising is so different to any other types of cruising. Um, You're in smaller ships, um, it's a very, very different atmosphere on board, but you learn so much. And I mean, the wildlife we saw was extraordinary. I mean, I've just got beautiful pictures of penguins, we saw condors, the largest birds, and we, you know, it was just a wonderful experience and we learned so much with the guides that were on board. Um, and then the other one, I believe you two have both done them as well, is to the Arctic. Yes, and, and seeing polar bears, absolutely, it is just extraordinary. I mean, I, I went thinking to myself, I know what's going to happen. They're going to say, oh, you should have been here last week. We saw so many polar bears and, and I will come away seeing none. Well, I have to say, I got to counting 20 and then I gave up because we realised that actually we were seeing so many polar bears. It was, it was quite stunning. Uh, and what the captain was doing a lot of the time, if, if they spotted them, and it's amazing how, how the expedition team, we'll come to those later, but the expedition team, they managed to spot them. I mean, you know, because they are quite small, quite a distance away, but their eyes are so focused on them. And so they managed to pick them out. And then the captain will inch the ship a little bit closer where he can. And then, and then just hold the ship in position so you can sit looking at the polar bears and looking at what they're doing. It is just an extraordinary experience. Um, but you were talking about, you know, what the ships being so very different, and of course, or the ex- expedition being so very different. Of course, the ships have to have ice strengthened hulls if they're going to be in the Arctic uh, or indeed in Antarctica. You go ashore in Zodiacs, which are these rubber boats that you, you climb into, much, much smaller rubber boats because there are no ports. Uh, and, and in both of those places, really, the itinerary is, is a guideline. It gives you a rough idea of where they hope that you will be going to, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that is where you will be going to, or you might go there, but you'll do it in a different order. So it's, it's one of those things that it, it needs people to be flexible. It doesn't need to be people who say, right, this is, this is Tuesday, we're supposed to be in Rome. It's Tuesday and let's see, it could be anything can happen Tuesday. Who knows where you're going to end up? It's, so it is a very much more informal experience. Uh, and, and of course, what's included tends to be quite different to, for instance, the mass market ships, don't you think, Sarah? 
Yes, I mean, there is so much more included for expeditionary ships and cruises um, because you have all these shore excursions, which have to be included. You're going out in Zodiacs, you're going ashore on treks, on hikes. You're having the services of the experts, of the guides that will lead you through and be talking you through the destinations. Um, and obviously, you can't just pop off to buy excursions from any other companies. You can't just pop off to buy supplies or drinks or go ashore it is such a different sort of cruise it is all centered around the ship and so it is vital that you know that ship can provide everything and it is it is an all-inclusive experience I mean Janine I'm sure you found that I mean one of the things I found out which because I for my first one I, I knew very little about them but in terms of what's included when you get there there are also things included before you get there because one of my questions was oh my goodness you know what am I going to take is my outdoor stuff going to be enough is it going to be you know um, you know warm enough and things like this but I mean I've now got in my wardrobe a couple of fabulous expedition parkers that you know um, they tell you you're going to get when you arrive you send off your size they're waiting for you on the ship and I mean they are just fantastic um, you know so you don't need to bring everything yourself I mean they provide you or one of the ones I went on they provide you with you know really um, heavy duty um, rubber boots when you go off on the excursions everything's clean when you get back on board um, so I think that's one thing to point out. These cruises aren't for people who really like to dress up. It's a very informal atmosphere on board. You, you don't need to take any dressy clothes at all. You know, often at dinner, people are still in their jeans, things like that. So that's something else I think, you know, travel agents and passengers need to know is the actual onboard atmosphere. So you don't end up taking completely the wrong things. I, I agree. And also to know that you're not really going to get entertainment in, in, the, in the way that people think about entertainment on cruise ships, because on the expedition ships, it's lectures. And it might be a lecture about whales. It could be about penguins. It could be about birds. It could be about climate change. It could be about geology. There are so many different subjects uh, delivered by the expedition team, who are the, who are the people in charge. They are the ones... That, that run the whole show basically they they are the ones that scout out for instance in the arctic if it's if it's safe for you to go ashore because obviously you can't if there are polar bears prowling around um, they are the ones that uh, that that take the the zodiacs ashore they are the ones uh, that, that keep an eye on people going ashore and coming back again so they really are very much in charge uh, and and have a really important role to play in this um, so it, it is a very, very different experience. I think it suits people who go on cruises as long as they understand the difference. And if they want something much more formal, then not at all. But if they're happy with this informal way of doing things, brilliant. But just as good for people who have never been on a cruise before. Uh, lots, of, lots of the expedition cruises that I've been on, I've met people who've said, I would never go on a ship, but this was the only way that I could come here. Um, that was particularly with in regard to Antarctica. And they saw this as the way that they could get to Antarctica. And if, you're, if you want a bit of soft adventure, if, again, if you, it doesn't have to be in these really cold places, but if you just want a little bit more of a more adventurous um, way of, of having a holiday, it's a fantastic opportunity. Um, and the cruises, well, they can be anything from um, two weeks or a week, two weeks, sometimes even three weeks if you're going around the whole of, of the Southern Ocean and you get to see so many different things. Yes, I mean, at the end of the day, these are bucket list 
you know sort of experiences for people and I think they will attract a lot of people who wouldn't perhaps necessarily consider a cruise because also the experience is very different to what you would get on a sort of a usual cruise and I mean as you mentioned Jane even in some of the sort of tropical waters I mean some some of these sort of expeditionary ships I'm thinking sort of Silver Sea um, have offered sailings in the Caribbean because at the end of the day you've got to remember with ex expedition it's not just about the polar regions which of course are the most famous ones and I know you're getting other areas coming up as well but it's all about getting under the skin of a destination um and and really sort of you know drilling down into the sort of activities that you do and so for example you know in the Caribbean you can go on hikes through the rainforest into these other areas you know areas of South America as well so again with expedition there has been enormous growth in the last few years in terms of the type of ships and in terms of the destination they're serving but of course you're getting into now um you know expedition used to have this reputation of being sort of um for the hardy types the, the no mod cons or comforts and my goodness that is changing so much now you are getting this whole wave now of sort of you know luxurious new ships so it's not about roughing it at all i mean you know that's something that i think we can all talk about with you know you've got sort of scenic you've got various aurora expeditions all coming up with ships now that offer lots of mod cons and comforts and hot tubs I mean Janine I'm sure that's something you've seen I mean I'm so I would love to get on some of the new ships that are coming out I mean um, you know ones they you know they've got you can go on submarine excursions you can go on helicopter excursions you know as you said they really are bucket list destinations and bucket list experiences and I think just jumping back to one of the points I made earlier as well as all these fabulous new experiences to me, the core of expedition cruising, it really is the guides and the crew that make it. And, and what I was really struck me on the first one I went on um, with the informal atmosphere, you know, at lunch times and evening meals, the guides will often come, well, are very happy. They come and sit with passengers. If you see them walking through the ship, you can stop them, you can ask them questions, they'll sit down and have a coffee with you. You know, if you're really interested in some, you know, subjects such as ornithology or particular aspect of geology or geography they will sit down and spend their time with you going through it so I think that enhances the experience they're complementary with the fabulous excursions and the knowledge of the guides which really is encyclopedic. Yeah I would agree with that actually they, they do make the crews definitely and, and their knowledge is spectacular uh, and I don't know. I don't know. It's it is that's, that's what expedition is all about isn't it you're not going to be going to these places just just to sit and look at look at the snow look at the the mountains whatever you really want to find out more about it and and that's the role that these guys play um and there are of course so many different places that you can go to on these expedition cruises so i, I suppose really um we've been talking about the arctic and antarctica um those are the extreme expedition places that you can go to of course also greenland uh, which comes into the the arctic um and when you can go, I mean, the, the great thing is that if you if you fancy going to the Arctic and Greenland or, or Greenland, it's the summer. If you fancy going to Antarctica, it's it's our winter. It's their austral summer. So if you can you can do it do, you know, through the year. You can do both of these places. And in the meantime, if you really, really feel inclined, you can go through the Northwest Passage and link the two things together, which is a fantastic experience. So they, they, the ships tend to go through there when, I suppose, late August or September. 
And of course, the other one that's coming along now is the Northeast Passage, which I would just love to do, which is going across the top of Russia. I mean, that must be absolutely spectacular. And you, you just wouldn't see really any other people, but you, the, the wildlife, the birds and, and the animals and the walruses, etc., that you, you must see would be just fantastic. Oh, yes, I must interrupt because there's a place up there called Wrangell Island, which is known as the polar bear maternity unit of the world because it is because it is where there is such a, um, a group of, um, you know, mother, um, polar bears with their cubs um, that are seen every year. And of course, the cruise ships that do venture up that way have the ideal opportunity to see them. But of course, I always say going up to sort of do the northeast passages, pretty much going north of the UK and turning right at the top of Norway and it's taking you along the top of Siberia um, and I think you can eventually link up with the Russian Far East and all around there I mean you really are getting off the beaten track I mean I would say with some of these destinations that obviously you know by their very nature are expeditionary because they are remote they are hard to get to so again when you're looking at the duration of such trips you can be looking at two to three weeks and you want to devote the time because you do have a long way to go. You don't want to scrimp on the time that you're actually there. Um, and, you know, for example, going to Antarctica, you know, you've got to, you know, it, it, it is it is work getting to these destinations because obviously flying down, it can be several flights. It can be overnighting as well. In terms of Antarctica, it's obviously sailing down to the peninsula. So I think that is something, again, that people need to bear in mind. You're going all that distance. You've got to allow the time. You've got to be prepared for <laughs> a long journey and, and you know, and, and quite a lot. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to do the whole of the Southern Ocean, you, you can do Antarctica. Then, as I said, you link it up with South Georgia and then link that up with the Falkland Islands. And you're talking of a three-week three trip, but what a magnificent trip that's going to be. But, you know, it's, it's very easy when we, when we talk about expedition. We always think about these, these extreme places and, and, let's say, the cold places. But there are many, many other places to go to. Um, I mean, myself, I've been many, many of these, and the Galapagos, the Kimberley, the South Pacific. I mean, they're all just wonderful places, but very, very much off the beaten track. Mm -hmm. um, and I bet I don't know, Janine, I think maybe you've been to the South Pacific, have you? And, and what's, your, what's your take on it? Again, another absolutely unforgettable trip. Um, this was on Aranui 5, um, which is an extraordinary looking ship, because if you look at it, it looks as if it's two dis totally separate ships that have been cut in half, one section glued to the other, because the front part of it is a working cargo ship, and the back section of it is a cruise ship. And um, it, it does, as a, it delivers round the year to these really, really remote Marquesas Islands in the South Pacific. It's the lifeline to them. I mean, so when we were on board, I spoke to the captain, we got cars, we got concrete, we got things to make houses, obviously lots and lots of food. Um, and it was absolutely fascinating because you arrive in port, you're getting off on one side and all these guys turn up with forklift trucks on the other. You know, so it is a, really is a proper working ship. And because it is a ship like that you're spending a lot of the time in the destination because the primary thing is to take the um, cargo there and then when the cargo is offloaded the passengers all go off on, on excursions and as you say so it's not all cold weather because that was beautiful beautiful warm weather in this most idyllic surroundings um, so yes you can go all over the world on these cruises and that was a fantastic one and of course the Galapagos is the same uh, which I, th I think you've done that one Sarah haven't you 
Oh, that was just unforgettable. And again, actually, I took my family on that. And I would say with these expedition cruises, adventure cruises, you have got to be pretty mobile and you have got to be pretty fit. Because another thing as well, if you are you know going these long distances you really want to make the most of the destination and everything that's offered and as we talked about earlier with all the various trips ashore or the trips into the little zodiacs exploring you really want to be able to do all of those and when we're in the galapagos i mean we would sort of be off the boat sometimes by about 7 7 30 a.m um going off to do a zodiac trip or something and then back and then you might only have an hour and then you'd be off again on a hike back for lunch and then off again and it was fantastic and you wouldn't want to miss these experiences but you need to sort of obviously i think be able to keep up with them so for example on our galapagos trip I would say really teenagers teenagers the best time for children but it was amazing you know when you are swimming and snorkeling with playful sea lions that come up to you or they're jumping over your heads and penguins swimming past you and they might tap at your snorkel um, and on the land you've got sort of you know blue-footed boobies wandering up to you or the um, iguanas marine iguanas waddling past it is it is a mind-blowing experience I would go back in a heartbeat it's a, it's you know if that's expedition cruising, that was probably my first one. My goodness, I'd want to do plenty more. Yes, it's a fantastic experience, isn't it? I mean, and, and you really can't believe what it says in the brochures, as in, you know, you can get that close to the animals, but you really can get that close to the animals. It, it, is, it is extraordinary. And I think probably what I'd like to say, you know, you know with people, because nowadays, obviously, people are very conscious about, you know, ethical cruising. And yes, you can get close to the animals, but it's all done in a very, very controlled way. And as you say, it's all done from a distance that you're not going to disturb the animals, you're not going to disrupt their natural environment in any way. And I think that's something that really does appeal. Um, just jumping back to when I did the um, Patagonia trip, all the guides had undergone this scientific training um, because scientists can't get out to this part of the world. It's just wouldn't be cost effective for them to do it so the guides are trained in every destination we were going to to collect data that goes into these scientific reports um, and helps with in, environmental issues and things like that so that was another fascinating aspect of the cruise so I think for anybody that's also interested in green issues wildlife ethical cruising they're a fantastic choice to take that is a very good point, actually, and certainly about the animals, because uh, when you go to Antarctica, you, when you go ashore, um, and, and actually it's worth making the point, of course, you must make sure that you, if you want to go ashore, you must make sure that you pick one of the smaller ships, because if there are more than 500 passengers on board, you cannot make landings. And, and frankly, if you've got 200 passengers, that's the best number to have, 200 or fewer because you haven't got to wait a long time for the, the Zodiacs to come back and forth. They can only have 100 people ashore at any one time. But when you, when you are ashore and you're walking amongst the penguins, I mean, it is a fantastic experience. Very, very strict rules about how close you're allowed to go to them, quite rightly. But of course, nobody's told the penguins. So you can be walking along and then suddenly they will come and stand in front of you. And that's it, you can't do anything. You just have to stand there and wait until they move away because you are, you are stuck waiting for this thing to move. And of course they are, they, they are they're really in, in a sort of um, incurious about these, these strange people or things that have come wandering into their, uh, into their rookeries. And what are these rubber things on their feet? Oh, and so they have a good peck at that. So it is, it's, it's quite an amazing experience, but like you say, Janine, very, very, very carefully controlled so that you are not disturbing the animals. 
Uh, and that really is an important thing to bear in mind on these things. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, look out for more insightful CruiseBiz chat on your podcast app or at cruisestrategy.co.uk. Thank you.